Well, good morning to everyone here. Good morning to you at home. Happy Mother's Day, as it's been said a number of times. In this moment, we recognize that for some of you, Mother's Day is a day to be celebrated. And we want to celebrate all of the moms, the adoptive moms, the spiritual moms, the, the moms who have stepped in and played a, a, an amazing role in your life. But we also recognize that Mother's Day is a challenging day, that there's uh, many layers to Mother's Day is whether your mom is not with us, whether you wished your mom would have been more present in your life, whether there was not a mom in your life. Maybe you yourself have a broken relationship with a child, or you wish that you could go back and you could do things differently. Mother's Day can be complicated in so many different ways. But at the same time, we want to realize the challenges of it. We also want to honor and celebrate mothers, which is... Why we say we see you, we hear you, we stand with you, we love you, and we support you. And so today what we want to do is we want to look at four specific words that want to speak into you and speak over to you, uh, whether you are a mother or whether you're not, is that these are words that we can apply to our life and something that is in the heart of Jesus, the heart of the individual that we're going to look at today in scripture, and can be in our heart too when we walk out of here. Now, as we grow into adulthood, we look at what it means to be a kid and what it means to be an adult radically differently, right? As a child, one of my favorite comics was Calvin and Hobbes. Anyone familiar with Calvin and Hobbes? All right, so this is considered one of the last great comic strips in newspapers. Does anyone know what a newspaper is? Heard <laughs> of those? So Calvin and Hobbes, uh, Bill Watterson, he, in 1989, he released this comic strip, which I think just so well describes Mother's Day. And I'm going to read it to you. You probably can't see all the words clearly. Uh, but Calvin is there writing, and he says, Dear Mom, how do I love you? Let me count the ways. The next box. One. Number one. Hmm. Number one. Hmm. And so finally, he runs into Mom and Dad's room, wakes him up. Hey, Mom, wake up. I made you a Mother's Day card. Mom wakes up. Why, how sweet of you. Calvin says, I did it all by myself. Go ahead and read it. So here goes Mom reading Calvin's Mother's Day card. I was going to buy you a card with hearts of pink and red, but then I thought I'd rather spend the money on me instead. <laughs> Mom continues, it's awfully hard to buy things when one's allowance is so small. Kevin says, <clears throat> so I guess you're pretty lucky you got anything at all. <laughs> Mom continues on, Happy Mother's Day to you. There, I said it. Now I'm done. So how about getting out of bed and cooking breakfast for your son? <laughs> Mom replies, I'm deeply moved. And Kelvin, just straight-faced, he says, did you notice the part about my allowance? <laughs> I mean, here's Mother's, mother's Day in, in so many different ways, right? Is that uh, I want you to know that you are appreciated, you are loved, uh, and you are, we're so grateful for you. Now today, we're going to look at an individual in Scripture, and many Mother's Day, we may think of some mothers in Scripture, mothers like Mary or Elizabeth or Hannah or Hagar or um, Naomi or, or so many more, but we're not going to talk about any of them. I'm going to invite you to the book of Judges, and we're going to look at someone that maybe you wouldn't consider a mother, maybe you'd look at in a different way, in a, a non-traditional way as a mother here. And turn to Judges 4. We're going to look at the story of Deborah. 
Now, Deborah was a remarkable person. She spoke certain things into her children. We're going to see who these children are in just a moment. But she was the only female judge recorded in Scripture, and I'll explain what a judge is in just a moment. And she was also the only judge who was also a prophet. Now, a prophet in Scripture is one who clearly hears from God and communicates to the people. This is a great responsibility, a great opportunity, and a highly respected place as one who's hearing from God. But a judge existed before there were kings. God would put the judges in place. And a judge was the, the top ruler in the nation. The judge served as a nation's defender. The judge had the final legislative, judicial, social, and military authority. The judge was appointed by God. God chose the judges. The judge pointed people towards righteousness, and the judge's job was to help keep people within the covenant that the Lord had laid before them. So this is a great responsibility and a great burden at the same time for Deborah. And the environment that Deborah was existing in was a sin cycle that we see in Judges. If uh, you throw up the next slide here. So Israel would serve the Lord. Israel would then fall into sin and idolatry, which we're going to see in this passage. They've taken on the way of the Canaanites. Israel would be enslaved or or oppressed, which we're going to see. Israel cries out to God, which they do. God will raise up a judge. God will deliver Israel. Israel will serve the Lord. Then they'll fall back into sin and idolatry. They'll be enslaved. They'll cry out. God will raise another judge and deliver it. And it's a sin cycle we see again and again and again. Now, Deborah, like I already said, is she's the only female judge that we see in Scripture here. And she does something remarkable, and she has four things within her, along with many other things, that I think is just remarkable on this Mother's Day as we look at this. And so her job is deliverance. Her job is to take a bunch of people who are broken, who are sinful, who are following the ways of the world, and to help move them closer to the Lord. I mean, this sounds like parenthood, right? I mean, and and at the same time, we're broken as individuals too, as we parent our children. But there's certain characteristics that we see. And for 20 years, the Israelites had been oppressed by King Jabin and the Canaanites. They had taken on these practices, and there's just division and chaos. And so let's read this story, starting in Judges chapter 4, verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned from Hazor. So Sarah, the commander of his army, was based in Herosheth Hegiom, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. And they cried to the Lord for help. So I'm going to pause here for a moment. They had 900 chariots, iron chariots. So this is like the super army of the time. And it'd be like a whole bunch of soldiers lined up and 900 tanks coming at them. I mean, it's that type of comparison. So they are radically outnumbered. And we're going to see a little bit later that Israel had no shields or spears or even um, uh, someone going ahead of them in the, the military. Verse 4. Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak, son of Abdanah, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go and take 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up the Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops, 
to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. So God is saying, hey, I'm going to give you this victory. You just need to go. Verse 8, Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. He's saying this to Deborah. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. There Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali. And 10,000 men went up under his command. Deborah also went up with him. Now I want to pause for a moment here. Now Barak, he is often criticized, and I believe criticized wrongly. He's criticized for being weak, not just responding to the order, for not having faith in God, not having faith in himself, not having faith in his army, um, all these different things. He's criticized heavily for this. But if you look at Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, the great names throughout time, Barak's name is in there with the likes of Moses and Abraham and Rahab and so many others. So it's not a faith issue that's going on here because he's commended for his faith. I think there's something deeper going on here. I think there's something that, that, that God is doing in Barak. Barak looked and he saw Deborah and he saw how God's favor was on her, how she was filled with the spirit of God and how God was going to use her. And he's like, I'm going with her. I'm in. He didn't care about glory. He didn't care about his own glory. He's like, I'm in. She's going, and she said she would go too. Now you can read how the story unfolds, and it's not even fully Deborah that has the victory. It's a, another woman named JL. It's a very gory story. So you can read that later. That can be some afternoon reading here. Chapter 14, or not chapter 14, verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, go. This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him at Barak's advance. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled on foot. Barak pursued the chariots and army as far as Herosheth Hagium, and all Sisera's troops fell by the sword. Not a man was left. On that day, God subdued Jabin, king of Canaan, before the Israelites, and the hand, I'm sorry, I jumped ahead to verse 23 and 24. And the hand of the Israelites pressed harder and harder against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they destroyed them. So happy Mother's Day, right? We're talking about war. We're talking about these battles. We're talking about this conflict that's going on. And here we are on Mother's Day, just what you expected to hear in church this morning. But I want to tell you that what we read is just the narrative of something that happened. But what we're going to read in just a second is this heart behind it, the motivation behind it. Well, chapter four is the narrative. It's the prose. Chapter five is the poetry. It's kind of like in a Disney movie where something unfolds and then all of a sudden they break into song and they, you know, tell the rest of the story. It's kind of like that's happening here. This is, you know, pre-Disney here. So verse, or chapter five, verse one, I want you to hear the heart of this. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abnaam, sang this song. When the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Hear this, you kings. Listen, you rulers. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will praise the Lord, the God of Israel, in song. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched in the land of Edom, the earth shook and the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai before the Lord, the God of Israel. In the days of Shemagar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, 
the highways were abandoned. The travelers took winding paths. Now, if you've just zoned out because of all the words that I've just said, come back to verse seven here, all right? Verse seven, pay attention to this. Villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. God chose new leaders. When war came to the city gates, but not a shield nor a spear was seen among 40,000 in Israel. My heart is with Israel's princes. And the willing volunteers among the people praise the Lord. So just as Deborah was called to a particular time in a particular place, in a particular season, in a particular reality, you are called in the same way. So often we lament where we were born or when we were born or who we were born to or the people that have put around us. We can lament these things, but God has a purpose and a plan that he wants to work and unfold in you and through you. No matter what circumstances you have faced, what circumstances you are facing or what circumstances you will face, we're given an opportunity. And Deborah was in a very difficult position in time, but she stood in the moment and she radically transformed countless lives, just as you have the same opportunity daily. You may not see it, you may not feel it, but when we step into it, God does a work. See, Deborah modeled really four big things. She had a heart of worship that just encompassed the whole of what we're going to talk about. But I want to share four words with you that I want to speak into you and over you and into whatever situation you're in as we desire to be healthy as we follow Jesus. So the first word I want to speak and share that we see is the word strength. Strength. It's very easy to see ourselves weak in a lot of areas. Or we even just spend our attention and our time on our weaknesses. But often we look at ourselves instead of looking toward God. Because our true strength comes from obedience to God, not from our own ability. God wants us to walk in obedience and walk in his ways and walk in the ways that he's called us to. And therefore, we gain the strength that we need. See, Deborah was called by God and she was obedient to God as a judge, as a prophet, as one calling forth the general of the army and going with the general and these 10,000 individuals. See, if God's calling you to something, telling you to do something, as long as it's scripturally sound, we're called to step out in that to walk in faith, to, to see what God is going to do, to obey. I mean, we look at scriptures like from Proverbs of, of we are to encourage others in strength, like train a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't turn from it. Now, that is not a promise. This is, this is a wisdom word. Is we're called to train the child in the way they should go, and, and they're going to make decisions. But we're called to train them, to encourage them in strength and obedience. Deuteronomy 6 calls us to teach our children there's a beautiful passage about instructing our children in Deuteronomy 6. Ephesians 6, for children, we're to obey our parents. It says the reason we obey our parents is that so life will go well, which if you've been disciplined or grounded, you know life is not going well in those moments if we disobey our parents, right? And also that we'd have long life. Is that if you're a kid sitting in here, you may look at your parents and be like, they don't know what's going on. They have a good perspective of life. I didn't understand it. Your parents didn't understand it at that age. But it's for this long life that's just speaking in to you. 
So just as we're called to obey our parents, we're called to obey God because it's for strength that our parents pour into us and that God pours into us. So the second word I want to speak to you is the word courage. So coming off of strength is the word courage. I love how Deborah speaks courage. Chapter four, verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, go. This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following. We need to be people who speak courage and who receive courage from others. We so often, we just exist in comfort zones. And we stay there because we're comfortable. But the people that God has put around us, how do we speak courage into them? How do we speak the strength that God gives to us through obedience and speak this courage into them to move from these places of comfort zone into these areas of great faith? Some of my, my moments of life where I felt the most full and alive is when I stepped out in faith. It was terrifying. But at the same time, God just blessed and moved as we step out in courage. And, and I had people around me, parents, pastors, teachers, friends, coaches, all sorts of people in different times of life speaking courage into me. Deborah called out courage to people. She called them out saying, this is where we're to go. This is where we need to be. People are afraid. We can have fear take over our life as we face so many different situations. We need courage spoken. And that courage comes from God and it flows through us into the lives of others. I mean, as a child, I, I hope that you had people around you speaking life into you, encouragement. Now as an adult, the people are around you speaking. If nothing else, we have even more importantly, I shouldn't say if nothing else, even more importantly, we have the word of God which speaks life and truth into us, this courage that we need. The third thing I want to speak into and over you from this passage that we see is kindness. There's a, a shirt I, I've seen around that just says, be kind. Yes, do that. Be kind. We need the kindness of the Father God and we need the kindness of human beings around us. We're living in a time of just venomous words coming out of our mouths and through our fingers as we post. Titus 3, verses 4 and 7, 4 through 7 says this, but when the kindness of love and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life, the hope of eternal life. See, he saved us not because of the things we have done, but because of his kindness poured into us. We may look around at our family situations, where we came from or what we're in or what we're, we're keeping ourselves from and just saying, they don't deserve anything. We didn't deserve anything as followers or before we became followers of Jesus. I love how in verse eight, Deborah demonstrates kindness. When Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. She says, certainly I will go with you. I mean, at that moment, she could have crushed him 
Are you kidding me? You're the general. Why aren't you brave enough? You should go. I told you to go. God told you to go. No, she came alongside him. She said, let's go. Let's go. When we come alongside someone, when we're in their presence, when we invest in them, there is a, a kindness and a courage that grows and a strength that grows. And she went with him. The fourth thing is compassion, is a heart of compassion. Again, verse, or, uh, chapter, seven, or chapter five, verse seven. Villagers in Israel would not fight until, excuse me, villagers in Israel would not fight. They held back until I, Deborah, arose, until I arose, a mother in Israel. See Deborah standing up, seeing the need around her and walking into it. And so what we've been encouraging you over the last couple of weeks is what is that emotion? What is that feeling? What is that situation that you need to step into? Because Jesus is there to meet you in it. There's something that unfolds in my home, which is quite interesting. I've learned not to be offended by this, is that when my kids are hurt, they'll see me and they'll go right by me and go to Joanna, right? They, even, even if I'm the only one home with them, they'll be like, uh, when's mom coming home? I'm like, I'm right here. <laughs> what is wrong with me, right? I wonder this, but they go to their mom. There's a kindness and a compassion in her that they are drawn to when they're hurt. And maybe you don't have your mom. Maybe that mom figure has not been there. Maybe that's been a gap in your life, but we can always go to Jesus. This is the heart of Jesus. Is this come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. This compassionate heart. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians. Praise be to God and to be, excuse me, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So if you're in a place of hurt, if you're in a place where there's just this gap, this emptiness, this wonder, this concern, this fear, whatever it is, is we enter into the comfort that only God can fully give. We enter into his strength, his courage, his kindness, and his compassion. These are not things that we just work up and we try to be and do. We enter into those things because they give, he gives them to us. In Matthew, Jesus said these words, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I, being Jesus, will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If nothing else today, no matter where you're at or where you're coming from, is to be reminded that Jesus has open arms, and like he invited all the little children to come to him, he's welcoming us to embrace his strength, his courage, his kindness, and his compassion. And so today, would you rest in that? As you go throughout this day, wherever you're at, would you rest in the truth that Jesus calls you to him, calls you to his heart, Calls you towards these things. Carolyn Moore, she wrote this. She wrote, a mother's heart is not her own. 
A mother's heart bursts with deep pride and overwhelming joy. It beats both in and out of her chest now, but not at all with singular purpose. It rejoices when they succeed. It aches when they fail. It trusts, it hopes, it watches, it waits. It prays unceasingly for protection, for love, and for growth. A mother's heart in every moment, in all things, for all time, beats for them. As I read that, I thought of the heart of Jesus. That Jesus desires that for all of us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the day that you've given to us. We thank you for meeting us in the middle of it, whether we enter with rejoicing or we enter with sorrow. Father, I pray right now, God, that you would minister by your spirit, just speaking strength and courage and kindness and compassion. Thank you for the example of Deborah. You did those things for her and she stepped up and led. Father, I pray that you would minister in a mighty way. And this week, as we rest in you and we rest in your strength and courage and kindness and compassion, may we be ones who comfort others with it as well. We're so grateful. We love you. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Amen.